Welcome to Eastern Wellness with Dr. Sufe Kaim. Eastern Wellness with Dr. Kaim is a weekly podcast meant for anyone looking for ways to improve the quality of their life, regardless of their current health status. Eastern Wellness with Dr. Kaim covers a variety of different health and wellness topics like nutrition, sleep, exercise, toxins, emotional health, and so much more. Dr. Kaim interviews health experts about tips, techniques, and trends in wellness, as well as regular people who have their own wellness pearls to share. For more health and wellness tips and resources, visit Dr. Sufe Kaim's YouTube channel, and that's Dr. Sufe Kaim, S-H-U-F-E-I-K-I-M-E. Thanks for listening. On today's episode, I sit down talking with Dr. Ellen Bonbreak. And uh, I met Dr. Bonbrev six years ago in the seminar, and he is a chiropractor, and I was sitting in his class. And so, Dr. Bonbrev, could you tell us about yourself and what you do and area of expertise? Okay. Well, I'm a chiropractor with a Master of Sciences in uh, degree emphasizing human nutrition, master herbologist, master acupuncturist, a diplomat in personal injury and spinal trauma, fellow of the Academy of Diagnostic Physicians and a certified diagnostic physician. I've taken over one and a half million dollars in professional seminars, read over 10,000 professional textbooks and periodicals. In addition to having seen over 40,000 patients, over 3,000 of which were upper level athletes and taking care of 12 professional uh, sport teams, uh, including over 800 professional athletes, I've been teaching seminars to professionals beginning when, it, when I was in chiropractic college. And I teach uh, neurological and biochemistry techniques to help patients get better quicker and with a lot less effort which you know because you've taken them all. So, uh, so are you still teaching? Are you still practice? Or uh, just I, I practice uh, a couple of days a week. Mostly I'm preparing for seminars on the weekends, which I teach two or three weekends a month. Okay, so you still practice in Texas? Yes, in the North Dallas area, correct. Got you. So what are your three top wellness tips? Well, the things that I tell absolutely everybody to do to help everyone is drink and cook with distilled water only, get off milk products, eat at least 50% raw fruits and vegetables, hopefully getting it up to 70 to 80% with proper food combining. And the third one is to take a stroll uh, on the grass daily, hopefully barefoot for 15 to 30 minutes in the fresh air and sunshine. Okay, tell me about that, the dis distilled water, the first one. Why okay. distilled water? Distilled water, um, actually I didn't go into that with any preconceptions. Uh, when I was in chiropractic college, uh, I went to Davenport, Iowa, and I remember filling the first glass of water. I held it up to the light and I, it was so foggy, I couldn't see the other side. And my mind was like in a fog for several months and they had a, somebody who delivered gallons of water in uh, glass gallons. 
and they had spring water and distilled water. So I was thinking, well, maybe spring water. I've heard a lot about that. And I went to spring water and about half of the fuzz went away in my mind. It did that for several months. And then I thought, well, I wonder if distilled water would do anything. So I went on that and my mind cleared completely up. Now, when I went into uh, practice, everybody asked me what type of purified water was the best. And I said, you know, I, I don't know, you know, what type are you doing? And I would write it in their file. One of the things that I found was that the people on distilled water far and away did better than any of the rest of the people. So much so that uh, I started telling people who weren't progressing, uh, get on distilled water for drinking and cooking and they immediately started progressing. And uh, if they were progressing to a certain point, stop progressing, I'd put them on distilled water, they'd start progressing again. People would drink, uh, bring um, uh, things with their pets in, they'd say, you know, the stuff the vet is, uh, is recommending, the drugs aren't doing anything, the changes in diet, what should I do? I said, put them on distilled water. They would get miraculous turnarounds. We had dogs that were totally paralyzed in their hind legs, you know, in those carts and and their paralysis would go away. They had ratty fur and the skin would smooth out uh, and the fur would smooth out. Uh, you know, it's just, uh, you know, I, I can't say it enough. If I were to tell anybody one thing to do uh, for their health, it would be get on distilled water. and just, just from experience. Now, why do I think it works? I think it works because for one thing, it's, it's very clean, so you're not putting pollutants in it. It's gonna flush out a bunch of junk out of your system. And basically, uh, one of the things when I was, I'm, I went to community college for a year and I didn't have any uh, classes right after chemistry and fellow that I went to high school with was the assistant there. And so I just sat and talked with him for an hour, you know, a couple of times a week. One day he said, did you notice that the distilled water we use is really acidic? And I said, yeah, why is that? And he said, um, well, that's because we distill it three or four times and distilled water in particular, uh, water, by itself pulls a lot of hydrogens out of the atmosphere, but distilled water pulls a lot more out. And you get a lot of what's called hydronium ion, which is H3O. Now that's three hydrogens and an and oxygen. So uh, hydronium is also known as a proton. Later on, got into studies with nutrition and you find, find out that antioxidants uh, are proton or electron donors. So I think one of the other reasons that it works so well is it's probably the cheapest antioxidant you can buy. And uh, the water wants to give up that extra hydrogen and that takes care of the free radical oxygens and just really helps anybody's health or any animal's health. health. So what do you think about like people right now is they drink, they are promoting the alkaline water. So what's your thought on that? Well, I don't have any problem with much any therapy. And I may be different in that manner, but uh, one thing that I see with those is that uh, uh, usually the, the people that get on it, you know, they may improve for a while and 
then it stops. I've always seen distilled water do better. That's all I can say about it. I've tried every type of purified water. I've tried the alkaline water. Always go back to distilled. Okay. So why no milk product? Well, if you read in the literature, and I've done a lot of studies, a lot of stuff, uh, milk comes up and it uh, usually has a really bad uh, uh, problem with it. And for example, most people don't realize that milk, uh, uh, cow's milk is four to five times higher in phosphorus than calcium. Human milk is one to one. And they say, well, it raised the calcium in the blood. Well, that's true, but it does it to neutralize that phosphorus. So it actually draws it out of the muscles and the nerves uh, and the bones in order to neutralize uh, the phosphorus. So you get a higher amount of calcium in the blood. And there are studies which I teach um, uh, in my course on nutrition, uh, basically right out of the science books, those who drink the most milk, countries that drink the most cow's milk have the highest rates of osteoporosis and osteopenia. And that just backs up, you know, the observations. Now, one thing that I noticed before I even knew all that, I would ask people, especially older people, you know, they get in their 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and I would see when, when you take x-rays, if they don't have a lot of density, the bone doesn't look as bright. And you see some people, the only place that you see, know that there's a bone there is you see a line there because it's dark inside and outside the bone. And I always ask them, I just made a habit of asking them because the presumption was, well, they didn't drink enough milk because of what you hear. And the people with absolutely the worst bone density, I would ask them, uh, do you drink milk? And I say, yeah, two glasses every day my whole life. The ones with the best bone density, when they rolled, say, no, I hate this stuff. I never drink it. And there's a lot of other things, you know, I could do a whole seminar on milk. And uh, I don't know if you follow my podcast, but I did a whole seminar on it, uh, on the, the podcast that I that I give on a bi-weekly basis. And I can make that available to your audience, by the way. I can send them the link for that and I can send them the notes from it. But there's a lot of things that are problematic about, uh, especially cow's milk. Basically, you know, with, you know, with an occasion, with, without an occasional ice cream and things like this, uh, uh, milk is for babies, not for adults. And that's basically how sh you should leave it. Got you. Can you tell me a, a little bit about the food combining? Yeah, food combining, uh, there's a lot of things that people read about it. Uh, I tend to go uh, in one part um, from uh, observation, the rest of it is strictly from science and biochemistry textbooks. Uh, first one is when you eat fruit, I, I, I'd say basically there's three types of fruit, food combining. First one is when you eat fruit, just eat one type, eat the peel, eat the seeds. Uh, with juicy fruits, wait an hour before you eat something else. With uh, the denser fruits, wait two hours before you eat something else. Don't combine even one type of fruit with another type of fruit. 
because uh, they have different types of uh, chemistry and it upsets the digestion. And I tell people a lot of that, uh, a lot of women like fruit cocktails, for example, and they're having a lot of trouble with bloating and gas. And I said, well, just eat one kind of fruit and their bloating and gas goes away. It's a matter of combining those fruits. And I don't even want you combining yellow apples with red apples or red apples with green apples. If you eat yellow apples, that's all you get that meal. If you eat green apples, that's all you get, for example. Eat the peel and eat the seeds. Now, the second type of combination is a couple of leaves of green leaves. And you want a type of carbohydrate, uh, any type of carbohydrate combined with raw nuts, seeds, or legumes, which are beans, peas, and lentils. Now, the raw nuts, seeds, and legumes are high in lysine and tryptophan, which are very low in other ones. And basically in adults, we have uh, eight required uh, essential amino acids that we have to get from foods. Children have 10. So you gotta make sure you combine them properly. That's one of the problems that I see in vegans. They don't tend to know that. And they just think, well, I'm eating high quality food. Well, you know, I have to know how to combine the food so you get the proper complement of amino acids also. And the third combination is uh, just green leafies plus uh, animal protein. And there's a whole lot more around that about the digestion and production of uh, alcohol in the system causing fatty liver and putrefaction in the intestine, causing all sorts of bizarre symptoms in the body. But basically we re recommend those in that way plus the proper way to chew uh, to help the digestion work right. What do you mean proper way to chew? Okay, proper way to chew. Basically, you look at um, animals that are vegetarian and they have molars and they chew, chew, chew to a watery state. Those that are carnivorous uh, basically have sharp teeth. They rend and they swallow. They can't chew. Now, in your mouth, you have saliva. The more you chew, the more alkaline it becomes. It only digests plant starches, has absolutely nothing to do with animal protein fat digestion. The first two thirds of the stomach is only a storage area. No digestive fluids are produced there whatsoever. The last third is very acidic and the body puts hydrochloric acid in there and uh, pepsinogen at two pH turns into pepsin. And if it ever goes above five pH, it's inactivated and can't revert back again. Now things that cause it to uh, go over five is drinking with, with and around meals and digestion too much, saliva, which is alkaline, and sugar, which neutralizes the hydrochloric acid, so we tell people last time you should drink is 15 to 30 minutes before you eat. If you absolutely have to drink anything during the meal, it's just small sips because you don't uh, dilute the digestive enzymes much. And maybe three or four swallows at the end of the meal just to clean out your mouth and throat. And until your meal is fully digested, uh, maybe four ounces of distilled water every half hour. 
Now, the juicy fruits uh, take an hour to digest. So after that hour is done, then you can drink more. Uh, the firmer fruits, two hours. Same with that. Carbohydrates, two hours. Animal protein, three hours. When you chew and uh, drink water like we're telling you to. So when you combine plant starches and animal proteins, the fiber from the plants tends to up the putrefactive poisons in the system. And when you chew uh, like animals, uh, the carbohydrates, you chew to a watery state so it goes through the stomach very quickly. It's alkaline in the mouth, it's alkaline in the small intestine. Animal protein has to have the first phase of animal protein digestion in the stomach. It breaks down uh, the complex protein into polypeptides. And then it goes through the pyloric sphincter into the small intestine where it's alkaline again. And then the pancreatic enzymes breaks that down into individual amino acids and then they're absorbed. Now the stomach does not know when something's digested or not, only when it's small enough and liquid enough, it passes through uh, the pyloric sphincter into the small intestine. So if you chew animal protein to watery state or you eat ground meat, it tends to pass through quickly. You get a lot of putrefactive poisons. Putrefactive poisons are neurotoxins. They poison your nervous system. One of the things that I do with people that come in that have a lot of problems, I can get off animal protein two, three, four weeks. And then it's, the body starts, stops producing the putrefactive poisons. And uh, a lot of their stuff, uh, a lot of their ills just clear up because it was coming from the putrefactive poisons. So we teach them how to combine foods properly and to chew properly. Now, when your body, when you combine plant starches and animal proteins, the body tends to keep the starches behind in that two-thirds storage area and shunt the animal proteins forward. In the heat and moisture, uh, it becomes like a still in there and produces alcohol. Alcohol is one of the few substances that's absorbed directly through the stomach lining into the circulation, actually about 20%. This is why uh, about 40% of the population in the United States has a fatty liver, uh, even if they don't drink a lot of alcohol because they're producing it in their own system. It's called immaculate intoxication, or auto brewery syndrome, okay? So we teach the food combining and how to chew simply to help the body to digest everything more fully and keep the body from producing it poisons which are causing adverse health symptoms. Awesome. So why walk outside barefoot, bare feet? Okay. Uh, back in the 880, late 1980s and early 1990s, they had, uh, I'm not, you, you may or may not remember, but back in the early 80s, they, they came out with uh, uh, athletic shoes kind of like we know now. Before then, everybody ran in what are called canvas shoes or tennis shoes. And they had a big lip on the back of them. And when they first came out with that, 
I, I knew people were going to start having ankle problems because every time you flex your foot, that big lip would come and hit your Achilles tendon, just irritate the heck out of that and cause all sorts of ankle problems. So I would tell my patients, cut that off, put some tape over it and write a letter to the company and tell them that it's causing all those problems. So I had over 5,000 patients write letters like that. And I think my patients were the ones that, uh, put it into the phase now where they have a dip in it instead of that big lip on top of it. Now, one of the problems you got into is they started stabilizing more and more and more. And they had the hard heel cup and they had the firm heel. And basically uh, they made it so that the heel wouldn't give any. And this started causing a lot of problems. They came out with studies showing that uh, yeah, you had maybe less injuries, but when they did turn their ankle, it caused worse injuries in that uh, they, it was stabilizing so well, it's like they were keeping it in a cast. So a lot of those muscles were losing development and they got very, very weak and the tendons and ligaments did also. And they found the best thing to help restore and rehab it is to have the person walk on grass. And so it's a soft surface that gives and it forces the intrinsic and extrinsic muscles of the foot and ankle uh, to start working the way that they should, that they can't when they're in that shoe and when they're on a hard surface all day, like we are inside a house, inside an office, out on a sidewalk, for example. So there's, now another thing is on the bottom of the foot, there there are five different areas in the human body that have a huge amount of blood vessels and sympathetic nerves that stimulate the blood flow in the body. It's the palms of the hands, the palms of the feet, the nose, the lips, and the ears. So when you're walking barefoot, you're stimulating those nerves that stimulate circulation through your whole body. And knowing these things, and I teach this in my courses, this is probably why you have hand and foot reflexology and acupuncture, auriculotherapy, nose acupuncture. It's probably because all those sympathetic nerves there that they have such a broad influence on everything in the body. Awesome. So what is your favorite success story? Oh, uh, my favorite one is most likely, um, Oh, let's take a let's take a look here. My favorite one, most likely, is I was taking care of uh, the fellow who came up with the idea for the Boeing seven seventy seven airliner. He brought his wife in, who had been confined to wheelchair for seventeen years. That's one seven. And she had lost her ability to speak. Her speech was her right arm shook so violently she couldn't feed herself. Her left arm, no action at all. She hadn't stood up in 17 years. In three months, we had her speaking normally. In six months, she was feeding herself. All the shakes were gone. In nine months, she was standing with the help of her husband. 
and uh, you know, and it progressed from there. And I could give you a lot of other stories, but you know, multiple sclerosis and getting those after 17 years, that's pretty good. Uh, I don't know anybody who's gotten that type of results before. So what did you do? Well, multiple sclerosis is uh, the scarring of the sheath of Schwann, which is the fatty tissue that covers the nerves that helps with the conduction of the nerves. And basically some of the stuff that we teach in the seminars is how to break up scar tissue. So we immediately started working on her and breaking up the scar tissue. We changed her diet. And of course she was on a catheter. Two weeks after we started working on her, uh, her, hus her husband brought in the urine bag that he had to change several times a day. And it was full of mucus, except right at the top, it had some urine. And he says, can you tell me what that is? And, and he, he told me, you know, it was the catheter bag. And I said, well, that's mucus and that's urine. He said, that's what I thought. And he said, how'd that big glob come out of that little hole? I said, well, bit by bit. And he says, well, why is it doing that? Well, we're freeing up the scar tissue. Now scar tissue, goes in place from infl mainly inflammation and immobilization. Okay, so you have inflammation in multiple sclerosis that's causing that scar tissue. Also, over-the-counter pain medications like aspirin and Tylenol and uh, you know stuff like that, and prescription herbs indiscriminately deposit scar tissue throughout the body. So one of the things that we teach in our nutrition course is how to get the inflammatory agents out of your diet. We, we don't just try to suppress it. We show you, okay, here are the things that actually cause it. And, and we see some miraculous changes coming out of things like that. And I've gotten people off of uh, canes, you know, just in a visit or two, just by doing some of the neurological stuff that we think, things that we do. And Anyway, you get some miraculous changes like that. And we're just working with the body's normal physiology. The body is the thing that's changing it, uh, but we're just recognizing where the cause of it comes from. And we're getting things like that done. And you see just dramatic changes, even in cases that you, you would think, according to mainstream uh, logic, you know, there's no way that somebody's gonna come out of that. Awesome. So what's the best health and wellness advice you, you've ever given? Best health and wellness advice I've ever given. Okay. Well, uh, I was sent a patient who was taking 10 grams of vitamin C uh, a day for 10, 10 years, approximately a little bit over when she first came in. And she was diagnosed with a clinical scurvy by an MD, and rightly so. She had gotten uh, divorced a year earlier, and she she told me she did ate nothing but Twinkies and Ding Dongs, you know, for a full year. And uh, her teeth were loose, and her gums were bleeding, her hair was falling out, her vision was blurred, chronic fatigue, all sorts of stuff. So he helped her diet some, and he put her on. 10 grams of vitamin C. Now the way that is normally done, they give to bowel tolerance. So if the bowels become too loose or watery, you back it up just to where it isn't that. Now she did that and about seven years out, she started having all sorts of 
bizarre symptoms. Her hair was falling out, her vision blurred, chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, had trouble thinking straight, said when she talked, it sounded like she was in a barrel. She had sharp pains in both hips, like a hot poker. And now I worked on her and you didn't, she didn't want to get off that vitamin C. And we worked on her physically and got rid of most of the uh, fibromyalgia type symptoms, but the rest of those remained there. And so, uh, you know, she was reticent to get off any vitamin C at all. And, and I said, well, you know, let's try going down to seven grams. And in about four days after that, um, it corrected her blurred vision began, she began to think straight. And she went there, you know, for about three months and she didn't want to drop it down anymore. I said, let's drop it down to five grams a day. That corrected the chronic fatigue and the sounds like she was in a barrel. And she didn't want to drop that any further. So about three more months before I could convince her to go down to three grams a day. And she went down to three grams a day and the sharp pain in her hips went totally away. So most of her symptoms were coming from overdosing on vitamin C, even though she was taking it the way everybody said to take it. I saw her several months later I said, are you still on three grams of vitamin C a day? And she said, oh no, I got off the stuff. It was killing me. <laughs> but I tend to take people off of far more supplements than I put them on mm -hmm. because of things like that. I recognize uh, the overdose properties and a lot of people don't. And uh, they just don't realize that even with small amounts, I'll, I'll, I'll give you another example. Uh, a couple of years ago, I, I was given my part four seminar on nutrition up in New England and a female chiropractor there uh, called and said, you know, I see on your brochure here that you, you help with hair falling out. And I said, yeah, we have four or five things for that. Another one called because her baby was having colic and the normal thing you do with colic is put the baby in front of a window and have it get sunshine, you know, 15 minutes a day or so but that wasn't working. So one of the first things that we cover in that seminar after the distilled water is vitamin A and we give the toxicity effects of it. And one of the toxicity effects is hair falling out. And she heard that and she called me three weeks after the seminar. She said, I was only taking a single capsule of vitamin A a day. I got off of it. My hair quit falling out a week later now, three weeks later, I just wanted you to know my hair is growing in thick again. And she, you know, it's beyond belief that just taking a single capsule of vitamin A a day could do that, but yes, it can. The other woman, because she read, and rightly so, that vitamin A is necessary for the immune system of the baby, was only taking a single capsule of vitamin A a day. She stopped it. Four days later, the colic stopped. And the baby was over three months old, by the way, okay? So uh, I get somebody that comes in and they're taking a whole lot of supplements. Uh, one of the first things I do is I start talking diet with them and distilled water and say, let's get you off of all of those supplements and let's figure out which ones you may really need. I had one lady come in, she was taking 88 supplements a day. She was a multimillionaire, 
we got her down to eight a day. She was under high stress and she was in much better health, you know, at eight a day than taking 88 a day. And, you know, she had a whole lot of other stuff going on. But anyway, those are just a few examples of that. Awesome. So what's the most challenge? The, I mean, what's the most common challenge to health and wellness you are seeing in your practice right now? Uh, probably that both doctors and patients aren't relying on basic diet, easy exercise and sunshine, much at all, but fancy gadgets and supplements. Instead of telling people to go out and take a walk for 15 to 30 minutes a day and get the sunshine to get their vitamin D, they're telling them to take a capsule. And, you know, one of the things about vitamin D is uh, you take too much vitamin D, it causes pathological calcification of the organs. That's been known for decades and decades. Uh, there's a book out called Pathological Calcification. It's on that very fact. And I have a bulletin from uh, Mayo Clinic talking about atrial fibrillation, which you never heard of before the early 2000s. All we heard about was ventricular fibrillation. And basically said that overtaking uh, niacin and vitamin D causes ventricular fibrillation. And when I see somebody come in with ventricular fibrillation, their nutritionist, their MD, their chiropractor, it's been telling them to take, you know, the niacin and or the vitamin D is vitamin D after all acts like a hormone and affects a whole lot of things. And niacin helps clean your arteries out. So before that, medical doctors basically were on the bandwagon with vitamin B12. But in the early 2000s, they started uh, giving pharmacologic doses of niacin and vitamin D. And unfortunately, uh, you have these other symptoms that pop up with it. Nobody traces it back there because after all, you know, how can a little bit of those vitamins that are supposed to do so much good be causing a lot of harm, but it's right there in the literature that it does, even in the Mayo Clinic literature. Awesome. Who is a health and wellness innovator you admire and respect? I would have to put right up there. Uh, and I, I can name a lot of names, but Hugh Reardon, who's an MD in Wichita, Kansas. Uh, he had a mostly nutritional practice. He's a psychiatrist. He was uh, one of the co-founders of the Orthomolecular Society was absolutely without any type of bias at all. We referred patients back and forth. I learned a lot from him. He saw patients from all 50 states in every country in the world at the Center for Human Functioning. And if, by the way, if your audience wants the best online nutrition research library, have them subscribe to the Center for Human Functioning in Wichita, Kansas. There is nothing like it anywhere else. Awesome. Yeah, that would be good. Uh, are there any new health and wellness trends you want to try? Well, I'm for anything to hasten uh, wellness in the most, and especially in the most inexpensive manner. I would say laser, but I used that for years after it first came out. I knew the guy who invented the first laser for health. It was a chiropractor from Pittsburgh, Kansas, of all things. Nobody tells anybody that. He was an absolute genius. But what I do now is much quicker and more efficient and a lot cheaper in most cases, okay? 
So uh, basically, you know, it goes right back to getting the diet right and exercising right, getting the right amount of sunshine, clean water, uh, such as distilled water. Uh, I haven't seen any trends that are better than that, frankly. Okay. So how can listeners connect with you? Well, they can go to ttapscenter.com. That's T-T-A-P-S-Center.com and subscribe to my newsletter or even submit a question. It gives option to submit questions there. I also give bi-monthly free podcasts, which they'll be appraised of if they, you know, want the newsletter. That's kind of a vocal newsletter, as well as the seminars I give. So, uh, and I have films that I produce to each of my courses, which you know. Plus very soon amongst other things, I'm gonna have a nutritional course and a newsletter for laypersons to help themselves, their loved ones and their acquaintances. So uh, ttapcenter.com would be the best way to do that. And they can take advantage of those free podcasts just like the uh, professionals that take it. I have several, several of my patients that tune into that. So thank you, you know, based on what we talk about today with Dr. Bombrake, I want to challenge listener to go out barefoot to walk on the grass uh, in the very early morning. That would be awesome because that's when, the, that's when the oxygen is highest in the air too. And plants inhale carbon dioxide during the day and exhale oxygen at night. So oxygen is at the highest level first thing in the morning, right before sunup. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Dr. Bombrake. I appreciate so much uh, you sharing your wisdom with us. That's a lot of, maybe we will have you come back, you know, on the uh, program to, you know, to talk more later in the that, future. That would be an honor, Dr. Kime. Thank you so very much. Yeah, thank you.